This is The Point, professional investing in Australia with Pendle. Today, I'm talking to George Bichet, Portfolio Manager with Pendle's Bond Incomes and Defensive Strategies team. George, welcome to The Point. Hi, thanks for having me. Can you give us a 101 on impact bonds, how they're different to other fixed income products? Look, impact investing is at the forefront of responsible investing. It has a dual objective. These types of bonds not only provide a financial return, just like other vanilla bonds in the market, but they also provide a positive impact to the environment and or society. Examples of that would be green bonds and social bonds. If I delve a little bit deeper as to what a green bond is or a social bond is, it effectively, these types of bonds raise finance for climate-related solutions. Uh, And similarly with social bonds, it's raising finance for initiatives that improve the social outcomes for the underprivileged in society. So they pay interest or coupons just like any other vanilla bond. But importantly, the money that's raised is ring-fenced and it can only be used for predetermined projects. Under Examples of these would be, for instance, in a green bond, it would be wind farms, solar parks, hydroelectricity, low-carbon buildings or low-carbon transport. And for social bonds, this would include things like social housing, gender equality projects, and also underprivileged education. And the types of issuers that we see in relation to these impact bonds would include uh, financials, state governments, universities, uh, industrial names, and also AAA-rated sovereign agencies. That's a great explanation of exactly what they are. I can see some of the pros of them, but can you run us through the, you know, the pluses and minuses of these social bonds or green bonds? Yeah, sure. So, so from a pro perspective, I'll give you a little bit of background. In Australia, we've had some really strong growth of issuance of impact bonds in Australia. So it really started in 2014, but last year we actually had new issuance of about $9 billion. That was for the full year of last year and for the full year in 21, and we haven't even finished the year off, we're nearly 20 billion of issuance in Australia. So we've more than doubled all of last year's issuance. So the growth has been really strong. But the interesting thing is the demand is still far outstripping supply. So the pros about these securities are if you're able to get a hold of them, they perform very well in the secondary market because everyone wants them. So performance wise, all things being equal relative to a vanilla bond from the same issuer, they outperform the vanilla bond due to this huge demand we're seeing, this technical tailwind from a from a demand versus supply perspective. Okay. So that's, that's the sort of positives. Ultimately, these bonds are used to support climate stability. So it's improving the situation via either renewable energy sources or ultimately low carbon substitutes. So they're the sort of underlying projects that support the climate. And the other facet of of these types of bonds is is the social bonds where the money is targeted at the underprivileged in society. It's a really powerful way to deploy capital. The only real negative I can think of is the concept of greenwashing. So that's where an issuer comes to the market and really talks up the credentials of themselves as an issuer from an ESG perspective, or talks up the underlying projects. Sometimes that's not necessarily the reality. So our process, we do a deep dive in the issuer themselves and make sure that the issuer from an ESG perspective has high credentials. 
but also the underlying projects. It's really critical for, for us to be happy with the underlying projects. You know, the, the projects that we avoid, examples where they just issue a bond that would look exactly the same if they were to issue a vanilla bond, but they're just renaming it. So from our perspective, it's around making sure there's no greenwashing. We're very vocal with our engagement process. So, you know, if we get a scenario, and we've had a few of these in our market, where we, we, we view there's, a, there's some type of greenwashing going on, we don't just keep that quiet and just tell the issuer. On our, our, all the investor calls with these new bonds, we, we basically talk very loudly and we make sure everyone else hears our view on that in the hope that other investors feel the same way and in which case that potentially the issuer will go back and change the underlying projects into what they should be as opposed to a vanilla project. Okay, so how do we think about it in terms of the risk curve? Obviously, it depends on the issuer, but is an impact bond from a semi-government the same risk profile as a non-impact bond? Yeah, really good question. So, so all of the bonds that we buy, the risk is to the ultimate issuer. So ultimately, what the, the, the portfolios that we invest in are portfolios that people can redeem T plus two or T plus three. So they have to be liquid securities. And the mm-hmm. reason they're liquid is because the we're effectively buying securities from an issuer that has a very good credit rating. And that concept of buying the issuers that we like and they've got a high credit rating allows for secondary market activity. Whereas yep. if you bought a social impact bond that has no credit rating, potentially the ultimate return of that bond is linked to the underlying project KPIs, there's a risk there that you don't actually get your coupon or you don't get your money back at the end of the period. So they're very high risk social impact bonds. We don't invest in those. We invest in those bonds where the money is ring-fenced and used for predetermined projects. But the ultimate risk for the bonds that we invest in is the issuers that we invest in. So we're facing their balance sheet. So very high quality uh, credits, you know, basically we only really invest in investment grade credit securities, which allows for liquidity in the securities that we buy. And it allows for our investors to be able to apply and redeem in our funds because we've got that liquidity in the funds. So as we head towards the end of 2021, where do impact bonds sit in a portfolio? I mean, have they a good track record now that they've been around for a little time? Look, from, from our perspective, we're, we are large investors in impact bond space in Australia. Now, I've been managing money, I've been a portfolio manager for the last 15 years, and I've been managing responsible investing portfolios for the last 10. So I'm in a really good position to be able to see what strategies perform over time or, or outperform over time. And impact investing is definitely one of those, those strategies that outperforms due to this imbalance between supply and demand. Now, the trends we've seen, absolutely, that growth that I spoke to you about just this year doubled the amount of issuance versus last year, and demand, if anything, has has increased more than that. So really strong demand, more and more investors want these securities, and it's quite, we've built a bit of a niche position for ourselves with our proactive engagement with issuers, the banks, the arrangers, so they know what we're trying to achieve via our impact portfolios. So the allocation process, we actually get a really good allocation due to that. So without question, the dynamic we've seen over the last year is increased demand for impact bonds, which has been very good for us. The second thing that's really that we're really seeing a change over the last year, 
is the concept of sustainability-linked bonds. So the difference between a sustainability-linked bond and, say, a green bond or a social bond is sustainability-linked bonds is where the money that's issued by a bond goes to general corporate activity. It's not ring-fenced for specific projects. However, the entity has determined uh, via investors and a lot of dialogue specific KPIs, and a lot of them are linked to climate, i.e. reducing their carbon, their absolute carbon emissions. And these KPIs are stretched targets relative to business as usual. And the concept is money goes to general corporate activity. However, if the KPIs are missed, so the entity does not reach those KPIs, i.e. reduce emissions by a certain amount, a stretched amount, the entity has to pay a higher coupon or higher interest to the investors. So there's a link between what the entity and what investors want, i.e. reduce emissions, but if they don't achieve those targets, the entity is penalised by paying investors a higher coupon. So they're the two big themes that we've seen over the last year. The concept of these sustainably linked bonds has, in Australia, it's only been a very new phenomenon, probably the last six or nine months where we've seen those. They've been around in Europe for a few years now, but in Australia, these sustainably linked bonds are a new phenomenon. And I would suggest this style or type of investing will increase over time because entities are able to use that money for general corporate activity Whereas with a green bond or a social bonds, there's a whole bunch of corporates who don't have the underlying projects for that style of investing. So the concept of sustainably linked bonds, I would suggest, will increase in size over time. George, thank you for talking to The Point. Great. Thanks for having me. That was George Bichet, Portfolio Manager with Pendle's Bond, Incomes and Defensive Strategies team. I'm Sean Aylmer, and you've been listening to The Point.